Anyway, I'll call the good doc back and invite you to, um, to um, uh, raise a question, an observation, or uh, tell us a story. My name is Tad Mitsui. Thank you, Austin, for your interesting talk. I give you a challenge. I recently heard that uh, in Britain, uh, Halloween is taking over Guy Fawkes Day in the same day. Uh, there are some sort of a imperialism of culture from North America. Uh, for example, if you go to Japan, what is called all Hallow's Day will be August the 15th, Obon. It's a day to celebrate the ancestors and saints and martyrs. Uh, do you think it's a good thing that Halloween is taking over the world culture, stumping, stomping the old tradition like Guy Fawkes Day? I read the same thing, that this was happening in the United Kingdom, that many of the... Uh, characteristics of uh, Halloween are being taken over by people who are celebrating Guy Fawkes. I just heard the same kind of thing, but to what extent, uh, I didn't really follow that up to see. Is it a good thing? I don't know whether it's a good thing or not. It depends what people do with it. <clears throat> I think that's the same thing with the Halloween customs in our country, isn't it? It depends what people do. Hello. Thank you for your presentation. I was wondering, from your vantage point, what would you see as the ideal Halloween? I love these community parties like the Boys and Club, Girls Club is going to do. I think that's really excellent. They have planned some interesting things to do for different age groups. And um, they have a space that uh, lends itself to, uh, to doing to community group things. So I think that's really an excellent type of way to do it. And I think that the schools are trying to do creative things. Uh, the teachers know that there's no way of getting around it, uh, the costume thing, but so they have to either put a lid on it, contain it, or, or, or direct it in some direction. So I think that I think that those kind of things are really quite creative. Uh, Trevor Page, Austin, I much enjoyed your very interesting and entertaining presentation. Thank you for that. Um, I got a couple of questions with the moderator's blessing. Thank you. <laughs> uh oh. Um, firstly, we were a little confused, or I was anyway, at our table about what I thought you said in your introduction that, or rather in your history, that it was a sort of a trilogy. All Saints' Day, I know about. All Souls Day, I know about. Was there a third one as well? The first one, All Hallows Eve. Okay, one of the... That's the first one. One of the persons at our table knew that, but I didn't. Thank you. Okay. The second one deals with what I noted down, as you're having said, but I may have noted it down wrong too, when you said that Hindus, Muslims, and some Jews... Yes, correct don't celebrate Halloween or correct. mark Halloween. Is, was correct. that right? That's correct. Um, I am not a religious scholar. 
I'm not a Hindu scholar, but I would be very surprised that that was true of the Hindus. Of the Muslims, I would agree, and I guess since it was some Jews, it's a sort of a some do and some don't. Yes. But do you have any sort of comment on uh, I'm not challenging the Hindu thing, but I'm asking for more information. And then if I could get my third one in, coming from imperialist Britain, in relation to the last speaker, or the one before, is Guy Fawkes' night is quite different. Yes, it is. Right? Totally different altogether. Perhaps the only connection are the fireworks. <laughs> right? But it's all sort of smudged into commercialization. Do you have a fourth and a fifth question too, uh, Trevor? <laughs> well, if you want one, I could come up with one, but that was actually the, the whole bunch that I was going to do. So the first one you've answered, the second one is Hindus, and the third one is really an observation, commercialization. Guy Fawkes is different altogether. Well, with respect to the Jewish people, in some cases... Uh, they're diametrically opposed to it. But as one of the rabbis say, if a child wants to dress up as an elevator, it doesn't seem any harm in that. <clears throat> and, of course, it's a good point. That must be a fairly liberal position. But, but yeah, but... The Hindus. If they, no, the Hindus and the Muslims see it as a Christian festival. And they're correct in terms of its origin. They're right about that. So as a Christian festival... Um, you know, so that's where their objection would lie. I, I would gain. I, I would be very surprised about the Hindus, but Muslims, I concede that, yes. Mm -hmm. yeah, any, any comment at all on pre-religious days, during pagan days, and the origin, actually, of harvest festivals? Yes, yes, very much Good. so. Good, I'll sit down. Yeah. But that's true. In the Celtic-Irish tradition, this uh, Samhain, it's, it's, it's said quite differently than the way in in which it is spelled, but it was a harvest festival. And, um, and that's where the modern Druids wanted to return it to. And uh, it's a return it to a nature phenomena, um, not a party time or as what it is today. They wanted, but it, that's kind of a mitigating influence for those who are reacting to its present form. Thanks, Austin. We also had a good discussion at our table, and several things came up that I thought would be good if the, if the rest of the uh, community here could hear. Uh, my name is Mary Shillington. Uh, you talked about a couple of things came up, the, uh, the cost of some of the costuming and so on that you, that you saw when you were going around. Uh, and we also heard at the table about how it was different uh, even now in some uh, the smaller towns and how it was a real community thing. Uh, Lisa was sharing about how it is in Colhurst. So I wonder if you could share some of that and maybe other people have had that similar experience. Thank you. Well, I think it is very much different in smaller communities. Out at Pincher Creek, for instance, I'm told that all the merchants in town have dressed up today in uh, colorful costumes. So it's really... Uh, I didn't can get a double confirmation about that, but that's what some of the local people told me. And similarly, down at Milk River, some of the people down there, one of the women said she was baking her uh, Rice Krispie cakes, and she was going to wrap them up, and she was going to take them into town, and uh, her grandchildren would be distributing to other children who came to the house. So, and um, <clears throat> the linkages between the organizations, for instance, in the Milk River is quite pronounced, so they often help each other, for instance, out with various projects. 
which we see some of that happening in the city, but not to the same extent. <coughs> costumes. Well, it's just the cost that's incredible and the variety that it's available. And um, watching this young mother uh, dressing her daughter up uh, was quite a little sight to see, you know. Um, you would almost think that she was really over at one of the department stores where children's clothing are being fitted the right size or where you would go to get a jacket and you want to make sure that jacket fits you so you try it on or, or some other garment. And that's what was going on, and it was a time was being spent to get the right size, the right fit, and do you like it, and so on. And by that time, I'd quit eavesdropping. <laughs> My name is Ed Bardock. <clears throat> Austin, I enjoyed your uh, talk very much, uh, but my wife is going to be very disappointed when I go home and tell her because she sent me here today on the assumption that you would scare the hell out of me and you didn't succeed in that. That wasn't my assignment. Oh. <laughs> it would have been a difficult one, too. Uh, I haven't a question, but times have certainly changed. When I became a principal at a very young age in a rural town, I remember my high school students. I don't know how they did it, but when I came to school in the morning... They had put farm machinery, wagons, everything from the community on top of the school. And I wasn't in the I came to the school. I always had to come early. And my phone started to ring from the implement dealers. And they didn't use Christian language telling me how they wanted their equipment back. So I had no choice, and the kids enjoyed it. I had to take all of those kids that morning and have them take that stuff down and delivered back to the merchants and they enjoyed it but they missed a whole day of wonderful education <laughs> in mathematics and chemistry and uh, the other thing that I found comical is it's a small community but some people had no sense of humor my board chairman and the secretary treasurer wanted the names of those students that put it up there and for once in my life I knew he would expend, expel them or suspend them for days. So for my first beginning of my career, I was totally unsuccessful in finding a single kid who did it. Although several of them, as they took it down, said, Jesus, this is harder than putting it up. Well, my, my parents cautioned me about participating in some of the tricks that were going on in Radisson. I was to have nothing to do with it. And they, they were pretty, quite clear about that, to use a common expression. They were very clear. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Hi, my name is Knut Peterson. Uh, I can relate a little story, but I'm going to ask a question later. Uh, you know, my kids grew up on the farm, and... Uh, we would be chasing around the neighborhood every Halloween with with my three daughters, and uh, halfway through, my my one daughter all of a sudden didn't really want to go in and trick and treat anymore. She said, "I had enough. I had enough. I have enough candy. I don't need anymore." So when we finally got home, I realized that she picked up a little kitten. A black one at, at that, 
And of course, it aptly got the name Pumpkin. Uh, so yeah, that's just a little story. But my question is actually, do you think, and I grew up in Denmark, so I didn't have any experience as a kid, but do you think all the kids that had a great experience with, with uh, Halloween now dress up themselves and and have I mean it's almost adults have almost taken over Halloween to some degree. Uh, do you think uh, the kids growing up nowadays will have such a good time with Halloween as uh, adults are now? Um, well, of course that's hard to know, um, but I'm sure that if uh, children pick up on the paranoia of parents, that uh, that's not going to be easily forgotten. Uh, you know, it's something that you pick up that's hardly said in certain words, but if uh, that's the way that you, the message you're getting, we're not going to let you go to that. You might get something evil in those apples or in the peanuts or, or you know, uh, that it seems to me that that's going to last in the minds of those, unless they can be taken to places where they have a very safe and good Halloween experience. Hi, I'm Bev Mundell-Atherstone. Thank you very much. I wasn't quite sure what kind of a turn you'd take to your topic, but thank you. It was very, very well done. Um, I was one of those kids who had a good time at Halloween. Um, took my little sister around. She was four years younger. And uh, I was very sad when I turned 12 years old. My parents said, no, you can't go out anymore. You can, you can stand on the sidewalk, and Nancy can go up to the, the house. Um, it seems to me... At least being a psychologist, there's, um, there's some indication that cultures that are more um, rigid in their rules, um, where there's very little opportunity for people to do things outside of the normal bounds, that in those cultures, people really love dressing up and pretending to be something else. Um, there also appear to be indications that as we become more frightened, we like to dress up, and your your talk alluded to that, that when we're frightened, we carve up the pumpkin and put lights in it, and we do these different things to, to make light and, and to somehow conquer the fears. So this whole thing about, um, what are the creatures that they have now? Zombies. zombies. That the zombies are part of our the fear in our culture expressed that people can actually express that fear in some sort of externalized form, um, the fear of nuclear war, all the different fears. So um, so I'd just like to have your your position on that. From, from a religious and a secular point of view, don't you feel that we, we need ways that we can express our fear and our wishes sort of like a pressure cooker having the little valve, that there be a valve and that Halloween may be one valve in our society and in the Christian north in Europe, um, maybe carnival is prior to Lent is another valve. Um, uh, uh, there's several things that you're really raising in that. In that. And um, I don't know enough about the zombies and I'm sure that there are people who do or have observed the zombie walk that takes place here in the city. Uh, I, I don't know whether those participating in it are doing it as a consequence of fear or hoping to scare the fear, put fear into somebody else, 
seems to me the second is more likely for the kind of strange behavior that they exhibited. Um, what was the other part about it? Is our culture um, producing so much fear that uh, we want to dress up? We want to do those kind of things to... Yeah, sure. I don't know. I would almost incline to have followed the line of Mr. Dress Up being responsible for the costume today. As that was a lovely, beautiful thing that many children enjoyed. And, and how many homes have still got a box of costumes that the children can put on when they come to visit and making of costumes and a whole games and a whole bunch of fun can be had with that so there's seems to me that that has more to do with the creation of the costume party today than the other things do <clears throat> uh, Austin I wonder if I can just uh, uh, add my reflection to um, sure. Bev's but uh, I'm reminded that in the Hitler days in Germany there were Hitler jokes and in the communist uh, era of Russia, there were, uh, you know, communist party jokes, and I wonder if, if laughter and foolishness and, and um, goofiness isn't one of the ways that we, 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 one of our ways of coping with the absurd and the, the stuff we don't understand and, and uh, that, that does scare us. I, I hear uh, Bev touching a, a deep chord of, uh, you know, with our anxiety, mm-hmm. but uh, I wonder what you think. Well, we've got lots of that in our society, and it isn't all dressed up except in the ordinary clothes that you see here. And uh, lots of people are afraid of doing things. Lots of adults are still quite plainly afraid of the dark. And, uh, you know, dark is one of the instruments of, of Halloween, one of the symbols. So there's many other fears that people have which are irrational and, and so on, but very real and very powerful influences on them. And the stranger on the street can precipitate all kinds of fear. The homeless precipitate kinds of fear and so on. Do we have other questions? Austin, do you think if anyone dresses up as uh, Pamela Wallen? Uh, Pamela Wallen? Pamela Wallen or Duffy, they'll get any treats tonight? <laughs> <laughs> Maybe double. Ed, you took my question away from me. I, I was going to ask if any, um, anybody in, uh, in the Senate or the House of Commons, for that matter, would take advantage of the uh, Halloween. Probably. Probably. I have a story to relate that. Although the um, Globe had a um, cartoon of Harper carrying a cross, and on the top of the cross is, is uh, Duffy's head. <laughs> Uh, Austin, it's Mary again. Uh, I, I was telling this at the table that uh, I went to Value Village on Tuesday, uh, Seniors Day, since I'm a senior and I can get the discount. Uh, but uh, I, we had our, I had our little almost four-year-old with us, and he was determined he was going to be a Spider-Man. And so I enlisted the help of one of the uh, sales clerks, and and she was dressed up in. Well, I'm not quite sure what she was, but she was all dressed up in a, a blue uh, 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 plush uh, pantsuit kind of thing, a one-piece and, and wig, and 
and all these long uh, eyelashes and makeup and all this kind of stuff. She was quite, quite uh, interesting looking. And she informed me when I asked her uh, that for the month of October, they, they were dressing up. And uh, she'd only gone four days that she hadn't dressed up. And what she did was buy odd things from the store. She didn't buy a costume. And then she made things out of whatever she felt like at that morning. What did she feel like being? And so then she dressed up that way. And uh, I said, oh, it sounds very creative and that you could uh, explore that creative side of yourself. And she says, yes, it was great fun. And she thoroughly enjoyed doing that. And so... For some people, it seems to me that that would be part of what they're doing. And I know for some parties and so on, people do that. But, you know, what Lisa was sharing about the one of those big stores that, you know, costumes were, I think, what was the highest? Seven, $700 for a costume. Uh, can you imagine that? Uh, I mean, I thought that 28, that was pretty significant. I was, <laughs> I was pleased that Jason could probably wear it next year if he's willing because we can let down the legs. <laughs> well, one of the stores in Halloween Alley had some pretty expensive stuff in there. And if that's what you wanted to do and you had a group that you wanted to make an impression on, one woman described the Halloween party that she had. Uh, you know, she just had it in her home. And uh, the costumes of all the members of her group that came for the party, they all dressed up. And they took it really very seriously. They, uh, I mean, they were really very deliberate in what they were dressing up in. She said she had dressed up as um, Barbie and her husband was Ken. And uh, that's pretty deliberate. Anyway. Last call for uh, remarks. We'll give Henning the last word. Hi, Henning Mundell here. It's not going to be a question, but uh, your last uh, comment sort of triggered uh, this memory about uh, contrast to deliberate dress-up. We came as immigrants from Germany where we didn't have Halloween. And uh, I was nine years old. My older brother was 11. So I'm telling two stories related to him. So he put on two berets, one this way, one this way, and one out. And I remember I was just horrified. I said, that's not a costume. He said, it's okay. People will give me stuff. (laughs) Okay. Then uh, we also, as a group here, know a lot in the past about these outhouses that were moved and so on around. Well, imagine when I came to university and my older brother, same guy, third year university, was involved in what I saw on November 1 at the University of Library, UBC, down from the main gable, um, a few feet down below, cemented in a toilet. He was one of the Spider-Men that went up there to do it. He became a medical doctor. Yeah. <laughs> uh, thank well, you for that. You want to comment? Well, bones are a favorite symbol of... Um, bones and doctors are favorite symbols at uh, Halloween time. That's it. Yeah. <laughs> two, 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 thing, two things I'd like to say. 
One is, uh, I forgot to mention earlier that next week we go back to serious things, but the topic, as you can see from the sheet on your table, is immunization and vaccines, uh, risks and benefits. So we'll talk about measles and flu and, and some of those real-life questions. Secondly, uh, around our table, uh, Gene was commenting grumpily a little bit how uh, much, how many hours Austin has spent tramping around and researching this. I think we want to thank him for a wonderful piece of work. See, see you next week.